the recitation of Slichot during the ten days of repentance, Aseret Yimei Slichot are recited, penitential prayers, the heart of which are the attributes of God's mercy. Hashem Hashem Rachum V'chanun Erech HaPayim, that's the core of the Slichot service. And after the recitation of the, the poems, essentially, the introduction of the poems, what's called the Yud Gimel Midot, the attributes of God's mercy, it's followed typically by, by a short confession. It's called Vidui Confession. Ashamnu Bogadnu Gazalnu. And that fundamentally is the structure of the Slichot service. The connection, the recitation of the Slichot first, followed by the Vidui, is actually interesting. One might have expect, expected precisely the opposite. For example, there is a practice in the land of Israel, and a practice among the Sephardic Jews, that after the daily Amidah, they recite the Yud Gimuridot, the attributes of God's mercy, and that is recited not immediately after the Amidah, but it is recited after a brief confession, or Shamnu Bogadnu, the same confession that is recited during the Slichot service and on the day of Yom Kippur. And that offhand makes total sense, because first you confess what you did wrong, and after confessing what you did wrong, or Shamnu Bogadnu, after that we are requesting that we be forgiven. And we invoke the attributes of God's mercy, we call upon the forgiving God to forgive our sins. That would seem to make perfect sense. But the practice during the Slichot service, during the ten days of repentance, and on the day of Yom Kippur itself, where we recite Slichot, the Ashkenazim actually have the practice of reciting Slichot in the middle of the Amidah. The Sephardic community recites afterwards, but the Ashkenazim recite in the middle of the Amidah. That's, that's Nilo, for example, it's done that way, and there is the old tradition of reciting Slichot in all of the five prayers of Yom Kippur. And we recite the Slichot first. Only afterwards do we say Ashamnu uh, Baganu. So it's exactly the opposite of what the Sephardic community does every day. And actually, it's very strange. One would have expected precisely the opposite. And the reason for that, I believe, or what that reflects, is that the recitation of the Slichot first is a statement, in fact, that forgiveness is possible. Before we enter into confession, before we enter into vidu, which is an essential part of repentance, we want to know that, in fact, if we go through the process of tshuva, the process of repentance, that there is the hope that this repentance will work, that we'll be forgiven, that we'll be able to be to start all over again. So first, we are reciting the slichot, saying, in fact, we believe that repentance is possible, that God is a forgiving God. In fact, it's actually very interesting. There's the statement in the Talmud, in Masechet Rosh Hashanah, in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, very strange statement. If the Torah hadn't said it, we would never have said such a thing. The verse teaches us that God stood like a one who leads the prayer. And God wrapped God in a in a talit. And God said to Moshe, Whenever my children sin, say these words. Say these yud gimu midot. 
So the text of Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan plays off the verse Vayavor Hashem Panov, which means that God passed before Moshe. Moshe is in the cleft of the rock, and God is passing before Moshe. But Rabbi Yochanan, perhaps in a hyper-literal reading, which is not what the text actually says, but Rabbi Yochanan says, if the text hadn't said it, we couldn't say it. And what does the text say, according to Rabbi Yochanan? Vayavor Hashem Panov, that Al Panov refers not to passing before Moshe, but rather the face is God's face. Vayavor Hashem Panov, that God crossed something over God's face. What's the something that God crossed over God's face? The something would be the Tawit. God put the Tawit over God's head, as it were, as the Shriach Tzibur does. And that's the custom that we have, by the way, that the Srichot service, that the one who leads the Srichot service always puts on a Tawit, even if the Srichot service is in the middle of the night. And typically, in the middle of the night, many congregations, the one who leads the evening service the daily evening service does not wear a tawit, but that's not true of the slichot service. The slichot service, we always put on a tawit, just as God put on a tawit, according to Rabbi Yochanan's reading of the text. And God said to Moshe, whenever the children sin, say these words. So the Yud Gimel Midot are something that God teaches us to say. That means that there's a promise that repentance is possible. So before we enter into confessions, which of course is central to repentance, we want to assure ourselves that if we do repent, the repentance will be effective. And that's our tradition of saying the slichot first and the vidui afterwards. One of my students, Suri Sugarman, pointed out that actually we have this in the daily service. Because in the daily Amida, every day, three times a day, Hashivenu avinu atoratecha, karvenu malkenu we call upon God to bring us back in repentance. That's the second of the intermediate blessings of the Amida, of the Shemona Esrei. And the next blessing is So we ask God to bring us back into repentance. And one way to understand that, one understanding of it is that we're saying, bring us back in repentance, as you have said. Bring us towards repentance. We ask God to take that step. I'll come back to this in a moment. But her understanding was, we're saying to God, you've talked about repentance. Bring us to a place of repentance, which implies that if we come to a place of repentance, we will be forgiven. And then we say, then we ask for forgiveness, that we confess, we have sinned, we have erred. So we have that same structure there as well. Now, there's an additional aspect of bring us back in repentance, and it has to do with the tshuva and vidui. It's interesting, of course, confession, as we have already discussed, is an essential part of tshuva. The mention of, of, of confession is found in several places in the Torah. One in particular is very striking. In the book of Vayikra, in chapter 26, which talks about the admonition and the exile for the breaking of the covenant, and then the return from exile. The return from exile is part of the ability to return from exile. The Torah says, 
they will confess their sins and the sins of their ancestors. And that confession is a prerequisite to return from exile. That's what it says in chapter 26 of the book of Ayikra. So you have to confess. It's interesting, there the confession is my sins and the sins of my ancestors. But in the book of Devarim, chapter 30, there's a, a lengthy discussion of repentance. It goes on for minimally 11 verses. Question how to read the verses that follow. But there it talks about the word tshuva. In fact, the word vishav, to return, is mentioned seven times. Four of those times it refers to the people returning to God. And three of the times it refers to God returning, as it were, to the people. It's a lengthy process of repentance. And that's tshuva. So repentance is a complicated, interactive process. And the question is, in that description of repentance, of return and reconciliation, the question there is who takes that first step? Is the first step the human step, or is the first step the one that God takes? In our prayers, we ask God to bring us back. Or in the verse that's recited at the very end of the book of Eicha, God bring us back to you and we will return. So we ask there for God to take that first step. God, you bring us back. We shall come back. That's one way to understand the daily blessing. But in the Torah, in chapter 30 of the book of Devarim, it starts with something very different. It starts with, says the Torah, wherever you may find yourself, the farthermost corners of heaven, very far away, very distant. And one day you begin to consider the possibility of return. And that begins the process. And that process is interactive. And it talks about God returning to us, to Israel, to the people. Vishav Hashem, Vishav. And then we return. We take a step. After that first Vashevot Elovavecha, process that begins with us. The next six uses of the verb Lashuv, three refer to God returning to the people, three refer to the people returning to God. It's a complicated, long process. It's not confined to a particular time. In fact, the Torah doesn't mention a specific time. Wherever you find yourself, we know, of course, that Yom Kippur is the time set aside and the ten days of repentance set aside for this. But the truth of the matter is, tshuva is possible always. But the description of tshuva there is very interesting. It's not a one-time mitzvah. It's not something that happens in an instant. Decisions to get involved in the process may come at a particular moment. Then there's the long process of return. So in the Torah, the Torah seems to contrast, as it were, Confession with repentance. In the biblical text, confession is certainly part of repentance. But in the long description of, rep- of, of repentance that we have in Devarim, which is not about confession per se, it's about thinking about making changes and then proceeding along a path. path may have ups, may have downs. There's a complicated interactive process, but it's fully connected to living a full life over time. The period of Sereti Mechuma is the time to set aside, perhaps, to begin this process. There are ten days of repentance, not one moment. And presumably, resolutions made during these days and on Yom Kippur 
we carry forward with us throughout the year. So that's the description of repentance that is so appropriate to the 10 days of repentance. Of course, in no way contradicts the idea that confession, that objectifying and crystallizing what is wrong is a necessary step.